What's so special about being human? Well, apparently, according to the Midrash, it's our ability to give names to the things that Hashem has created. So what's so special about that? And while we're on the subject, what is uniquely special about being Jewish? Shetan Medrash, it's quite a well-known Medrash actually, that says, When Abisha decided to create the first human being, Adam Harishan, so Abisha consulted, so to speak, with the Malachim to find out, you know, is this a good idea? What do you think? So Omrulei, they said, the Malachim said to Hashem, Adam Zemativoy, what's so unique about this human being? What do you need humans for? You got us. So Abisha said to them, his wisdom will outdo your wisdom, be superior to your wisdom. So then they wanted to know, how does this all work? So they illustrated to them. They brought various creatures, animals, etc. in front of the angels. And Amalo said, What do you call this animal? They didn't know. Then, they took the same animals in front of Adam Rishon, obviously with an audience of Malachim. And Amalei said, what, what do you call this? So they so gave the various names, the ox, the donkey, etc. Okay, so now the question is, What's so unique about being able to give animals names? Is So the Shalal Kaddish explains that in the Nomen von Azach is Merumazir Shorish, the name that the Torah or that Lashon HaKodesh ascribes to a particular concept of being an entity describes the spiritual source that that entity derives from. So therefore, could perceive the spiritual root of every creation. Therefore, he gave the name that suited the spiritual source that the particular thing came from. That was his great wisdom. To put it into the language that the Shalot uses, by understanding the nature of the physical lower entities, he perceived the greater spiritual vehicles that give rise to those physical entities. If you have a look, the Magad of Mezrich goes into quite a lot of de- detail about this, exactly how it works, and the perception, and how it applies to us giving our children names. And he goes into a description of the letters and what they represent. It's a very interesting concept that in order to give a proper name according to Torah to a physical entity, you have to be able to gaze right into its spiritual source. Beautiful concept, but... We still have some questions. Now, from Fashtem, we have to understand two things. Allah, first of all, the fact that Adam Rishon apparently could perceive the spiritual root of every entity is the Surely that's not a matter of wisdom, it's not an intellectual ability. The idea in Amsadamakovas, the ability to perceive the higher spiritual planes and vehicles, is not Ophengik von It's not a matter of intellect, because then the great scientists of the world would also understand it. What gives a person access is a refinement of their capacity for understanding. In other words, the more refined a person is and closer to spirituality they are, so they'll be able to perceive and comprehend things of a higher spiritual nature. So it's not about intellect and it's not about wisdom. It's about edelkeit. It's about refinement and spirituality. That's the first question. Number two, if that's true, then how did the angels not know these names? 
According to the way the Shaloh explains it, is the idea of Pengik for the idea from How do you come to understand what the appropriate name is for an entity, for a being, for a creature, by knowing its spiritual source, the so-called higher vehicles? which are the source and the root of every created thing. So what are those higher vehicles? They are malochim. So the Shemokha, for example, the example the Medrash gives is the animals that Adam Arishan could name, that the malochim couldn't name. Well, what is the spiritual source of animals down here in this world? They are malochim. How do we know that? That's why we call the holy animals because the root of physical animals is malachim so how is it possible that they would not know the name of an animal how does Adam know the name because he perceives the spiritual source but they are the spiritual source and they don't know the name it would be a very difficult uh, attempt to try and answer this question by saying because these malachim are spiritual beings and therefore they inhabit spiritual worlds. So maybe that's why they were unable to perceive what the animal actually looks like in the physical world. And that's why they wouldn't know how to apply their names as the spiritual source of the animals to the actual animals as they are down on earth because they're out of touch with what happens down on earth. So if that would be our attempted answer, then it still wouldn't fit what the Medrash says. The Medrash says that Adam Rishon is superior to the Malachim. Well, if the reason that the Malachim are out of touch with the animals is because they're too spiritual, that is actually superior. Right? It's not a lack on their part. On the contrary, that would highlight how developed and how spiritually advanced the Malachim are. So we're back to square one. What's the greatness that Adam Arishan has over the Malachim? So to understand that, we have to get away from just simply talking about higher versus lower and see a completely third, different perspective. And the introduction to that third concept is this. The fact that Adam Arishan gave names to the animals is is something that occurred before Adam Arishan was demoted spiritually after the Chet Etzadas. In other words, that means that Adam Arishan gave the names to the animals when he was in a spiritual environment called Gan Eden and he, he was in a spiritual state of wholeness. <coughs> so what was Adam Arishan's entire occupation and purpose being in Gan Eden is given to serve the Ebishter and to protect Gan Eden. So we can now derive from that as every detail of everything that Adam Arishan did at that stage of life especially things that are recorded and reported in the Torah is was part of his to serve Hashem in the Gan Eden and to protect Gan Eden so if he gives names to the, to the animals that's part of his avoida, not just a standoff with the Malachim and proving his advantage now the avoider that Adam Arishan did wasn't floating in some kind of detached spiritual reality. It had a direct impact on the environment he lived in called the Gan of Eden. That means that Adam Arishan was able to increase the degree of holiness and increase the degree of spiritual awareness 
that Ganeiden had through his avoida, hecher vidi ilifan Ganeiden mitzadat smoy to elevate Ganeiden to a level that is even greater than Ganeiden was in and of itself. So now we got to ask ourselves. What is the void of naming animals? If everything Adam Arishan does at that point is serving Hashem and increasing the holiness in Ganadin, what's the void of naming animals? So in What's the great void of naming animals? And in fact, the way we've just explained it should actually illustrate as Adam Arishan had not mechadesh given dishmois on Ivraim. That Adam Arishan didn't make up names for the animals because what does Adam do according to the Shalah? He identifies what their source is. Because what gives life to these particular beings like the animals from their spiritual source? And that flow of energy from the source to the animals occurs even before Adam Arishan appears on the scene and even before he gives the names. So what's the name adding to the whole story? All he's doing is identifying the appropriate name that belongs to that creature, fitting and suited to its spiritual source. So we've got to actually see Adam Arishan's interaction with the animals and giving them names from a completely different perspective. We have to say two things. Just knowing the spiritual source is not genug. That's not enough, as Mazal Duchdem Zekenen onrufen mititsuke pastanemen. It's not enough to be able to give the name to the animal. Okay, so knowing, Malachim also know the spiritual source. To be able to share the name and tag the name to the particular creature takes more than just wisdom. We need to know what it takes. Based secondly, whatever that added dimension is, only Adam Harishan could achieve it. Which is exactly the point that Adam Harishan is superior to the angels, and more specifically, it's that his intellect or his wisdom is greater than theirs. So, what is the edge that Adam Harishan has, and what does naming an animal actually mean? The Bir and Dem explanation is as follows. We do know very well that every single physical creature has a spiritual root and source. Or like the famous Gemara that says that there isn't even a blade of grass in this world that does not have some kind of a spiritual force that actually prods it on to say, grow. Very clear example is an ox down here in this world is from something that links right back to the fact that there is the manifestation of what looks like the face of an ox on the divine chariot so we all know that every physical thing has a spiritual source but we also know we also know that the physical entity is in a completely different reality and category to its spiritual source. You look at a physical ox, it is in no way a representation of what the Shoshab, Pnei Shoshab and Makava looks like or manifests as or does. Vorum. Because there's an evolu- a spiritual evolutionary or devolutionary process that occurs where the things are lowered and thickened, so to speak, or, or made to be desensitized. So, we don't know exactly how much evolution there is for each particular thing. It's impossible to go through an evolutionary process to, that changes something spiritual to become physical. So, with all evolution, something else still has to happen, which is almost like a, like a quantum leap. 
As we know, Chassidus explains that to be able to create physical things out of spiritual sources is Only the Ebishter could do that because only the Ebishter can do the impossible. It's impossible for something spiritual to turn into something physical. Only with Ebishter's Koyach is it possible to have that jump, that leap. That out of a spiritual entity that is the source and root on high, so should become a physical entity down here on earth. So there's a huge gap between the spiritual source and the physical reality. On the river is the ideas the shoresh shows from pnei shoreshem hamarkava. So now when you look at an ox and you know abstractly, uh, theoretically, that the physical ox derives from the fact that there's something called pnei shoreshem hamarkava. It's not that mass because only can an onroof and them sure the matimitin nomen sure doesn't yet give me the insight to know that the correct name for an ox is sure in Hebrew because the correct name for the manifestation of godliness that is similar and is the root for it is called sure in heaven. Now, I know it's called an ox because I look at it in, in, the, in the English dictionary, it's called an ox, but I don't know that sure, the spiritual connotation of sure, belongs to this animal. Because the reality of the physical creature walking on all fours here on earth is that it is completely detached from any connection to its spiritual source that we can detect and see and explain. And that's Adam's greatness. That he could give those names. In other words, we use the expression calling the name. So he summoned the name. He drew down into the space, into the reality. He drew down the reality, the spiritual source that wasn't visible, that wasn't apparent in the space. He brings it into the space. In other words, he doesn't just make a link, like a hyperlink, click on the word Shur and it will take you to the Shur that's on the Merkava. But Adam Arishan brings down and manifests and fills into the reality of an entity called a Shur that it's got a spiritual source too. In other words, he brings the spiritual into the physical. Which now makes sense in the context of Adam Arishan's mission to serve Hashem and to protect in Gan Eden. What, what's Adam's mission? If you look at creation, just as creation is, then I feel in Gan Eden, then even when you're in Gan Eden, which is the highest reality of creation, especially the Gan Eden of that time, which is before Adam and Chava did damage to the system through the Chet Etzadas, is even in Gan Eden, you can't see the connection between the physical ox and the Pnei Shosheb Merkava. You just don't see the connection. It doesn't line up. Even though there's a tremendous amount of holiness in Gan Eden, so much holiness that it can't tolerate an Avera, so Adam and Chava have to leave Gan Eden the minute there's a Chet Etzadas, still have a dosis an oil, was is no erech oilam hazeh. That intense spirituality that can't tolerate a chait is still a spirituality that belongs to the milieu of creation. Not, it doesn't yet give access to the source of created things. That's the added value that Adam Harishan brings to the story. 
Er hat aufgetan dem Verbund zwischen Nivroim Lemato mit der Schöriisch Lemaila. What Adam Arishan innovates is, not only is there a spiritual package that belongs to the physical world, which is very powerful and intense, so much so that if somebody does something wrong, they lose that spiritual intensity. Adam Arishan brings something into the world of creation that is from beyond creation, that is from the sources of the various creative beings. Not only does it bring it into the reality, but he unifies the source with the product, to the point that the name of the physical created being, the name that every person will use for this creature, it's including children who are immature or adults who are uninformed. Here in this world, they'll still call it show. It's like the Oasis von Sanchez-Lamayla, a name that suits the letters of the spiritual code that makes the show source in Shamayim. That's what Adam Rishon achieves. Not only does he say, this is the correct name because I know what the spiritual source is. He says, I'm going to make that spiritual source part of the reality of the physical as well. Which explains why Adam could give these names and the Malachim was stamped. The Malachim were just as aware of the fact conceptually that, let's use the ox example, that the spiritual source of the ox is from Pnei Shur Sheba Merkava, derives from the incredible manifestation of godliness, the Merkava, and the dimension called Shur. All the Malachim could do was be aware of this information in concept. They did not have the capacity to link that information and merge it with the being here on earth. It's in fact, just to really highlight the point, we know that there were the Nephilim that came down to earth, which is basically, as when a malach kumt arop in that should a malach enter the reality of this world, verta anoifel, he's immediately degraded and spiritually stunted by being in this world. Certainly, a kenit baikom de yeshes vachumnus fun develt, the malach cannot overcome or transform the materialism of this world, just doesn't have those tools. Walter sein in welt, und zusammen damit sein verbunden mit telikus, because the principle of being in the physical environment and still connected to God, was is Welt, God obviously being way beyond not only the world but the whole creative process. An angel doesn't have that capacity. Either it's in heaven and it's an angel, or it's in, on earth and it's a collapse. When you deal with a human, who is named such, named Adam, because of the similarity, in a sense, that a human has to Hashem, he is, so to speak, similar. We have to use the word, obviously it's not literal that we are like Hashem, but an, a human is God-like, in a sense. Obviously has no limits. And you see that in the creation of the human, because what's unique about the human is on the one hand is made from physical material, earth, and yet on the other hand from spiritual material, Hashem blows his neshama into him. 
Therefore, can Therefore, only a human can create the synthesis between a higher spiritual reality and a lower physical reality, as the Tachtem and Nivra Shalemata, that the lower physical being, should have a meaningful link and unity with its spiritual source. Only humans can do that, and that's what stymied the angels. Wow. That is what the Midrash means when it tells us that Debeshda said to the Malachim that Adam Arishan's wisdom, Chochmah, is greater than you. Chochmah is a very unique kind of wisdom. It is the Ezel Chochmah Reisa We're talking over here about the fact what is Chochmah, the ability to see Hanoilad, which most people understand simply as what's going to be the consequence of a person's actions. But there's a deep explanation in Hasidus. Vidal Trebe Fashtetis, like Dal Trebe explains, Shiroi kol davar eich noilad venisave cholo bitvar Hashem. That roya esanoilad means you don't just know in an abstract sense that Debeshter creates everything and brings it into being and into existence. You actually see it. You actually experience it. So the Chochma, Adam Rishon's capacity to see Koyach Apoyel Benifo, to see the Ebishter's consistent creation and infusing of every physical thing with spiritual holy energy is far more advanced than that of the Malochim. He's able to literally visualize the recreation of every single thing. How every single thing comes to being at every moment from its source through Hashem's word. So Malachim can absolutely see the divine impact and energy within a created being. So they know they see there's a being and there's a spiritual package that gives it life. But to see within the being its spiritual source is beyond them. But Adam Arishan has a greater developed Chochmah, the capacity to see recreation and see the energy within the physical matter. He could see within the physical, he looks at the ox and inside the ox sees him, he sees that this ox, the physical ox on all fours is completely linked to its spiritual source even now here on earth. Therefore, its name now on earth should be sure, not some other name that indicates a watered-down, evolved version of divine energy. And then, and that also explains, by the way, that explains also why the, the Malachim couldn't just be satisfied because they just said, trust me, the human is greater than you are. And they actually had to be shown they actually had to see the animals come in front of Adam Arishan and the fact that he could give the names. Sorry, I skipped a bit. Because this concept that Adam could do, the merging and synthesizing of a higher and lower reality into a single entity, is not something a Malach could understand in theory. So if they wish to explain it to them, it would still be over their heads. Until such time as they actually were shown that Adam could do this, there was no way it would be able to make any sense in their minds. So that's the greatness of a human, as represented by Adam, the ability to fuse the spiritual shorash with the physical reality. 
We're going to take this now to the next level based on something that is explained extensively in Chassidus, particularly in the Rebbe's Chassidus. What the Medrash tells us as far as that before Matan Torah there was this decree that said the higher realms cannot enter the lower reality and the lower reality can never be upgraded or uplifted to encounter the higher realms. At the time of the giving of the Torah, that barrier was removed. And therefore, ever since the giving of the Torah, there is now a blending of the higher and lower realms. Let's apply that to our conversation. From that we can appreciate, We've already seen that Adam Arishan achieved something amazing, something that the Malachim couldn't even begin to imagine, the ability to infuse into the physical being its spiritual source. And it was in an oifan as Hashem Anivra it was so compelling and so real to the point that the name of what we Ordinary people refer to these entities matches their spiritual source. And obviously if that's the name, obviously it indicates the reality of the physical being too. That's nothing though compared to the degree of union between the high and lower realms which was achieved by giving the Torah. Let's explain what that means. As we've already said, Adam Rishon's great advantage was that he could link the human, or the, sorry, the physical created being to its unique spiritual source. In other words, Adam Rishon took a physical being which of its own accord was detached physically or visibly from its spiritual source and link it back to the godliness designed for its piece of this world. Not only a dimension of godliness that is relative to creation, but relative to this piece of creation. Like in our example, the, the physical ox is now linked to the spiritual source of all oxen. So it's the link between the creation and the creative energy. But Matantera is a whole different reality. And Matantera, it's the introduction of Havaya, which is completely beyond not only the world, but all the parameters and realities of the world. As we see by the fact that it rolls past, present, and future all into a single entity. And that is Givorin Eleke your personal God, meaning your energy, your power. That then innovated in the world, the Chibut zwischen Elikus, was is Hacher von Susanna Sherish von Welt, mit Welt. Now it's no longer like Adam Arishan, who completely blew the angels away because he could link the spiritual source of a physical entity with the physical entity. Now we have the capacity to fuse the spiritual source that is beyond being relative to the entity, beyond the concept of creation. The Ebishtazi is beyond the world can now be infused into the world. And the Farge Fintman, that's why we find, that's why the Malachim complained again. They were not just simply satisfied by the debate around Adam Arishan. They complained again. What was their complaint? 
They said, Vid Gimora, that Seltazel and Getain, the Gemara and Shabbos famously tells us, they said, Chamud, you have this beautiful treasure that's been stored away over here for generations in heaven. You want to give it to humans? Why should you consider humans? Rather, let your glory be in the heavens. Same argument as by the time of Adam Arishan. Again, why are you having the argument again? We already know the humans out to anim- uh, 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 angels. Because because Torah is the ultimate greatness and the most spiritual entity that exists. So the angels say, the last place it belongs is in the hands of humans who are so physical. So you needed Moshe Rabbeinu to appear, debate the Malachim, show them they're wrong, and then bring that absolute godliness which the Malachim believe is completely beyond the physical world, bring it into the physical world. So now that we've identified that the great innovation of humans is the ability to bring the higher and lower realities into one, and now that we've identified that the two steps to that, Adam's achievement and the Torah's achievement through Moshe Rabbeinu, so now that we have those two principles, first stage is to connect the entity to its source, which is Adam's achieve, achievement. And then base, the second is to connect the created entity with godliness, at a level that is beyond creation, which we saw by Matan Torah. Those two realities play out in our Avodah Hashem on a regular basis. Chassidus explains at length that the focus and the intention of the Brochus that we say before we say the Shema is which is a part of the davening where we speak quite a lot about how the Malachim serve Hashem so Chassidus explains that's all to prepare us for what we're supposed to achieve in our service of Hashem when we say the Shema what do we need to do and achieve when we say the Shema well, part of what we need to achieve at the time of the Shema is to love Hashem with all your heart. Which implies both sides of the heart, that even the animal soul, the impulsive side of ourselves, should also serve Hashem at the time that we serve Hashem. And should have Abbas Hashem, should love Hashem. So Muslim, you're free and you've got to speak to this Nefesh Abbas and explain to it, as in Emerson, is in it to Kedusha. To get through to the Nefesh Abbas, to also love Hashem, first thing you've got to say is, Nefesh Abbas, you're actually not an opponent to holiness. Why not? Because your source comes from a spiritual realm, from Malachim who are completely dedicated to serving Hashem. So you're not an opponent to godliness because you're built out of dedication to godliness. As we read in the build up to Shema, they serve Hashem with tremendous passion and excitement. As we illustrate this to the Nefesh Abahamis, so the Nefesh Abahamis acquiesces and is willing to accept holiness and complete dedication to Hashem. Let's try and understand this. How's it going to help? You're talking to the Nefesh Abahamis here in the physical realm. How does it help to speak to the Nefesh Abahamis about how great its spiritual source is? The reality of the conscious experience of the Nefesh Abahamis is to oppose holiness. So what are you going to do? Sit down and try and have a, a logical conversation with the Nefesh Abahamis? 
Nadinian is canal rather as does is bekechish Adam Harishan. That's what Adam Harishan innovated. That's what Adam Harishan achieved. That it was now possible that a created being should feel the link that it has to its spiritual source. To the point that when you remind the Nefesh Bahamas where it really comes from, it will be so powerful and impactful that the Nefesh Bahamas will say, you know what, Kedusha is the reality and I submit, I surrender, I'm ready to serve whatever the Debishter wants in order that I should be holy. So that's step one. That's the Adam Arishan phase of our dedication to Hashem. But that level of submission by showing and reminding the Nefesh Abhamis of where it comes from is not a bit of an anivra. That we can only achieve the extent of submission to Hashem which a created being is capable of, which obviously is limited. Because what are you doing? You're saying, you Nefesh Abahamis, you come from the world of Malachim. Malachim are completely dedicated to Hashem. So can you. Because even though they, the Malachim have complete dedication to Hashem, the fact is they are still created beings who have dedication to Hashem, which is limiting. Is why did Hashem bring our neshama down into this world? So that there would be a link and a, and a union between the neshama, the godly soul, which is literally a piece of Hashem, and therefore is not a creation, but is part of the Creator, and that should be united and bound with the animal soul. And the potential to have that fusion and unity was given at Matan Torah. Because at the time of, of Matan Torah, what happened? The barrier was removed. That's when we ripped apart that barrier that keeps the higher realms away from the lower realms. So at the same time, it also stripped away the barrier between the higher and lower realities of the person themselves. So that now it should be possible to be able to blend and fuse the animal with the godly. In a letter, that the fact that a person will have physical hunger pains and physical cravings for physical food is a result of the fact it's because the neshama craves the potential godliness that is in the spark inside that food. In other words, what's he telling us? Even physical things that apparently, ostensibly, only seem to belong to the realm of the body and the animal soul, actually are linked to the neshama. To the extent that the physical hunger is actually an expression of soul hunger. That's the goal. The goal is not just to get the Nefesh HaBamis to be conscious of its spiritual source, but rather to be bound with the Nefesh HaLikis and complete Eloikos. 
Aber aber on the other hand, a gamas the tachlas habitel nefshapam is vetufkiton durch yichud mit the nefshalikis canal. Even though obviously the ultimate state of complete submission of the nefshapamis will be achieved when the nefshapamis is completely paired with the nefshalikis, is a sabanita emesabiru for nefshapamis, but that is not the ultimate state of refining and upgrading the animal soul. Because if you think about it, the Nefesh Abahamis is not responding of its own accord. It's influenced by the overpowering sense of Nefesh Elikis. And I'll dare say, you'll see a similar thing in the world. What's the real intention of turning this lower realm into Hashem's home? The intention is that the lower realm should itself translate and become a home for Hashem. Not because there's some over-intense radiation of godliness that totally overwhelms this world, but it should be a self-actualization, self-realization. So therefore we can understand that whatever dedication and submission to Hashem is achieved through Torah Mitzvah, even though obviously it's going to affect the physical lower world because that's where it happens, because ever since Matan Torah there is no barrier between these two realities, but it's the mitzvah that's transforming and translating the reality of the physical item. It's because it's a mitzvah, therefore it's now accommodating godliness. So that's not yet the ultimate state of making a home for Hashem in the physical world, because now we're making a home for Hashem through the physical world. The ultimate kavana is that the physical items themselves, even when not being used for mitzvahs, should accommodate godliness. So therefore the tachlis akavone is the ultimate state will be as a zolen zayn beidemailis, that you have to have both advantages. The beetles are zayn betachlis, and zusammen der mitzvah zayn mitzad velt gufa. We want to have on the one hand this absolute dedication to Hashem which the Nefesh Abhamis can only achieve through coupling with the Nefesh Elikis and the physical world can only achieve through mitzvahs on the one hand, and on the other hand, we have to recognize that inherently, intrinsically, within the world and within the Nefesh Abrahamis, there actually is a fun- fundamental bittel that already is part of their reality and just has to come to the fore. So to understand that, we're going to examine a, a, a concept that Chassidah speaks about, which is the chain of life forms in the physical world is a mirror image of the chain of sources of those life forms in the spiritual worlds. So that does I move and appear you do will understand it based on a principle that's well known as the Sherish von Dömerin zu Mechai is von Elmatoyu. That the physical reality of inanimate objects, plant life and animals derives from a higher reality called the world of Toyu, which is which is actually a higher reality than where humans derive from, which is the world of Tikkun. So Tikkun is a world of spiritual structure and Toyu is a world of spiritual intensity. 
Now that might sound fanciful and abstract, so what does it actually mean that the life forms of animal or plant or even the inanimate world are from a higher source than us? You can actually see it manifested in a particular element of how they behave or how they live compared to us. Chassidus explains that the fact that animals by nature are submissive to their masters, which is not human nature. Human nature is independence. Like the famous Nevoah about the time of Moshiach, where it says, that even a child will be able to lead these powerful animals. The reason animals are naturally submissive is because they come from the highly intense holiness of the world of Toyu. Which is a reality where the submission to Hashem is far higher and more intense than the kind of submission that is typically found in the world of Tikkun. To put it into the language of Hasidus, it's a reality of intense light rather than intense kalim structure. In other words, much more awareness of the source, much less awareness of self. And that's why we could speak about true submission to Hashem that actually takes place in the physical reality. Because mitzad velt gufa, if you look at the world from the world's perspective, what happens when we bring Torah and mitzvahs into this world? We illuminate the world. And illuminating means that we expose the truth of the world that the world itself isn't even aware of. The fact that the entire world is all submissive to humans, that's why humans can do so much good and possibly damage, so Torah will illustrate to the world it's not because they're weaker, it's not because they're less intelligent, it's because they are linked in to a higher spiritual reality which naturally has greater capacity for bittel. So we're going to link this back now to the process where Adam Arishan gave the names. As Aleph we said, firstly that means that Yes, of course, every single creature lives with its particular life force and its particular nature because of the spiritual source it comes from. And yet, in order for the creature to be aware of the fact that that has anything to do with a higher spiritual source, Adam had to do that. He had to give the name. He had to create the link. He had to make that awareness. Number one. And number two, the specific process that Adam Arishan used to create this awareness in the world was by giving names. Because the whole purpose of a name is look at the name and it will tell you the spiritual code so that you know what spiritual source this item comes from. So what Adam Arishan did plays out in an even greater sense is much more profoundly the reality of the dedication and submission of the inanimate plant and animal kingdoms to Hashem because they come from the world of Toyu. Aleph, number one, is 
as a teva habitul kumitzar den bitul from zeshiris tzelikus. If you have to make an animal aware of the fact that it has a spiritual source, then you definitely need to create the awareness that its spiritual source is from such a deep and high place. It's not going to come naturally. So if Adam had to make the world aware that there are names of animals that speak about their spiritual reality, we definitely have to somehow impact the world that it becomes conscious of its very high lofty source and therefore absolute dedication to Hashem. Secondly, as we've seen, the name is key. As we've seen, the name becomes the channel, the funnel through which the connection can happen between the spiritual reality and the physical entity. So those two facts that we have to make the conscious awareness and it's specifically through names is relevant information for us. This is something that the Reb Marash speaks about in a series of Maimorim. Where the Reb Marash describes the incredible submission to Hashem that exists in the realm of Toyo. And Erzdot Masbury explains, as I feel that Toykefos is dot Faran, that even this intensity that exists in Oilamatoyu, because that is the distinctive factor of Oilamatoyu, it's a place of major intensity. It's because of that intensity that everything actually explodes. And there's what we call the broken vessels. Nothing can contain itself. Nothing can stay in a meaningful or sustainable way. That whatever comes into a position of power very soon collapses. Says the Rebbe Marash is That is nothing to do with ego. Normally, if there's a clash and systems fall apart because everybody is so intense in their views, usually that implies ego. I don't want to hear what you have to say. You don't want to hear what I have to say. Therefore, we can't work together. So you might interpret that that's what happened in the Oilam Atoyu. Chesed is absolute. Chesed doesn't want to hear from Gvur. Gvur is absolute. Gvur doesn't want to hear from Chesed. Therefore, the system collapses. Says the Rebbe Marash. No, other it's the exact opposite. It's because in the world of Toyu, every element of existence is so acutely aware of real existence, in other words, Hashem's infinite existence, and is completely linked and, and connected to that absolute existence, and therefore can't tolerate anything else except for that existence, which eventually leads to its collapse. Something absolutely mind-blowing. He says, is very often linked to the word behemoth, which is, of course, the collective term for animals. But he explains it like this. So he says, behemoth is an acronym for ba, within this world, is ma, this absolute bitul to Hashem. As compared to in oilam which is odom, Adam was his place bigematria ma. Adam, if you use the gematria system, equates with ma. While in Oilamata is the bitumatsuyesh hoamiti bigilo, he says there in Marash. Bo ma, in the world of Toyu, the ma, the absolute bitul commitment to Hashem, is ba, is the reality of that world. Nit no anonephum from gematria. It's not just an association through a numeric system called gematria. Says bo ma, ma beetsem. It is fundamentally a state of bitul. What does that mean? As we well know, when something is described in Torah, we have to understand it first in its most simple understanding, and we never get rid of that simple understanding. 
Amba Pashas is Behema de Shem Amin from the Balachayim Dolomato. Therefore, whichever angle you look at it from, the reality is Behema refers to a class of creatures down here in this world, the animal class. The phone is moving as the from Ba Ma is Faranit Norin Oilamatoyu. So now, if Behema represents the concept of Ba Ma, within it is absolute beetle. And at the same time, Behema refers to animals down here on earth. That means that not only the world of Tohu, in the abstract sense, is there this incredible dedication to Hashem, but in the animal, living here on earth, as we already mentioned, animals by nature show and express and live with greater submission than humans, because they derive from Olam HaToyu. So the Bo, Ma, this incredible dedication to Hashem, Manifest in the behema down here on earth. But of course, the world is, as we well know, as the name represents, a place of concealment. Is a chder in this principle as the bittul from behemas nemsech from a bittul b'shosh and olam atoyu. The concept that why are animals so submissive because they come from a source in olam atoyu, which is complete bittul to Hashem. That concept, nobody sees that. You don't walk in the street and see, oh, that's such a, a well-disciplined dog because it's connected to Olam HaToyu. Well, look at that ox pulling the plow because it's connected to Olam HaToyu. So it's actually possible that you could have creatures that derive from such a lofty source in Olam HaToyu. And how are they here on earth? They could actually be belligerent. They could be aggressive. They could attack human beings. Show the opposite of submissiveness. Humans who of course are supposed to represent godliness in this world. That's why the Rebbe Marash has to teach it. In a mimer. Which is the Gidel from Pinimus Dolomata. The purpose of Hasidus is to reveal the inner secrets of Torah into our world so that our world can become conscious of them and start to see the truth. That's why the Friedrich Rebbe has to explain, uh, sorry, the Rebbe Marash has to explain that the concept of absolute Bittul Tashem, which exists in Olam is linked to Behemah. In doing so, the Rebbe Marash does, like Adam Arishan, except more so, infuses into Bahima the physical animal, its consciousness and awareness of its source, Bittul of Olam HaToyu. That the fact that an animal has a tendency to submission in this world is a reflection of where it comes from Olam HaToyu. And as we already said, why is there so much power and yet so much bitul in Olam Atoyu? Because this connection to this absolute ability, uh, uh, this, uh, this complete dedication to Yeshua Amiti. So it's not possible then that something that's plugged into complete dedication and submission to Hashem should ever be aggressive or opposed to to Adam, Atam Kriyum Adam, to to humans. And not only animals, but the world at large is actually there, suited and ready and submissive to serve Yidin. Until eventually this world will become the permanent residence of the Eibishter, where the Eibishter's essence should be revealed and will be revealed, should happen, take off, with the coming of Moshiach now.